himself alone Crawling through the darkness for an answer that he's never known Yeah, isn't it amazing how God can shape a broken man Yeah, let him find a fortune let him ruin it with his own two Climbs on up the hill on a rock on which he stands. He looks back at the crowd. He looks down at his hands and he says, I am a difference maker. Oh, I am a difference maker. Oh, Those are our friends with Eternal Bread Ministry, uh, Terry and Dion, and many others that partner with them every week. <clears throat> We're going to hear a little bit more at the end of service about how you can partner personally with Eternal Bread, um, whereas our help group is uh, such a blessing to be able to provide food for those in need, and people come here, which is great. Terry and Dion uh, take the, the food and the ministry, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the message and the ministry, they take it out there. And uh, every week they're, they're out there trying to make a difference, as, as uh, you heard on the song Difference Maker. And so uh, you guys be sure to um, consider how you might partner with our, uh, our Mercy Ministries here at the church. And whether it be financially, supplying physical needs, Terry's going to talk a little bit more about that at the end. But I'll tell you, the, the greatest blessing is just to go. Just go be a part of it. Just go check it out. And uh, you can be such a blessing to those who are uh, severely in need in our community. So amen to that. And we're going to continue to look uh, today. As I started last week, we started talking about the five love languages of Christmas. And I shared with you guys how the Lord just really placed this upon my heart to, to give a different perspective on this uh, wonderful concept which is the five love languages. Uh, I asked you last week, <coughs> excuse me, guys. I asked you last week about uh, how many of you had had the opportunity to be familiar with the love languages. Gary Chapman is the author of the book. Uh, there are You can take a test to kind of determine what your love language is, what the love language of your spouse may be. Uh, it's cool to know what your, uh, your children's love language is so that you can know how to give and receive love. In all the relation, the most meaningful relationships in your life, and so from a very practical perspective, you know we see how this uh, these love languages uh, will most definitely benefit you and me in our day to day lives and in all of our relationships. And so I, I've t I told you how that that book has blessed me personally in so many ways. Uh, but then I began to think about 
the, the person of Jesus Christ. And if Christ is the essence of love, I began to wonder, well, then that means he speaks our love languages. And he's really the only one who perfectly speaks our love languages. And so as we begin to look at the life and the ministry and the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we celebrate the incarnation, God became flesh. We're going to see that here in just a moment. We see how Jesus is the one who meets every single one of these deepest desires of love in our life. And that not only should help us um, <clears throat> you know, reinforce and, and encourage us in our personal relationship with the Lord, to know that he is there always to, to truly meet that deep desire of love in our life. But then it also overflows into the lives of others as we become the hands and feet of Jesus to be able to bless others with that very same love. And so if, there, if there's never been a more appropriate message for the time, at the time of Christmas, I don't know what is. And so that's really what the basis of this whole study is about. So last week, we looked at the love language of quality time. Quality time. Some of you out there, many of you probably communicate this love language. Basically, all it means is that when people just spend uh, undivided time with you, they, they give you their full attention, they're not, they're not distracted, they're, they're just present to be with you, and, it, and especially if it's doing something that they don't necessarily want to do, right? But you're just with them in that, and that's communicating that you love them because you're with them, and, and quality time is, is, a, is a very, very important uh, love language that many of us speak. And we saw last week how Jesus entering into space and time as the son of God, he was the one that demonstrated what it really means to engage with people, to be intentional with people, to, to truly uh, spend quality time with them, to, to give them undivided attention. I mean, it, it's amazing when you read through the Gospels, this is really how Jesus operated throughout his, entirely er his entire earthly ministry. But then he went a step further and he provided to us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that now, wherever we go, he is what? He is right there with us. And through the Spirit and through the work of Christ, who now has ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven, he is our great high priest, and he intercedes for us on our behalf. This is the beauty, is that he is 100% available and accessible to you and me, and that God is always there willing to give us that's amazing to me. The God of the universe wants to just spend what? He just wants to spend time with us. And when that's, that's what it means to have a relationship. You know, as I said last week, to many of us, love is spelled T-I-M-E. That's, that's what that whole quality time is all about. Now, today, we're going to look at two more. Today, we're going to look at the gifts of uh, the love language of words of affirmation and then Physical affection or physical touch. These are also two of the five uh, love languages. And I'll just give, kind of give you a brief uh, summary of these two love languages because this is gonna, your, your ears are going to perk up when I begin to read some of these things because these may be your primary love language. Okay, Words of affirmation is the love language that's best communicated when someone is affirmed by others about who they are and they're recognized for what they have done. Um, so the power of the spoken word in someone's life. This is, this is the person that really, uh, you know, 
they, they just really thrive off being affirmed in who they are. You did a good job. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. Sending those, those, you are such a blessing in my life. When you think about communicating those words of affirmation, that, that, those words really fill that person's heart. They just really build that person up. And like all of these love language, the, the, the adverse is just as hurtful as the love language is helpful, right? So, so someone who speaks this language, they love to hear those words of affirmation in their life, which means that when you, send, when you give them words of criticism or condemnation, what does that do to them? It destroys them. It absolutely just breaks them down. How many of you have ever heard that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? You've heard that one, right? I don't know if there's ever been a bigger lie in the world. I mean, seriously, let's think about, I mean, you can get in a physical fight and it hurts and you'll have some bruises and some scrapes and some scratches. But you know what? Those, those usually heal up pretty well, even if you have a broken bone. It hurts. But those those bones and those bruises eventually heal. But did you know that a condemning word, a critical word, verbal abuse, those are the things that will stay with you for how long? For a lifetime. Those are the, those are the wounds that, that hurt our heart. And sometimes we carry those and, and it may not even be something that's even repetitive. It may just be one time when a person that you love, a spouse, a, a, a parent, a brother, a friend, a sister, a teacher, a coach, or whatever it may be. But you have felt the pain, the, the heartbreak of just being condemned or criticized or, or made fun of or embarrassed or whatever it may be. And we will often carry those things with us for the rest of our lives. There is very much, there's lots of power. In the spoken word. And so we see how words of affirmation can both be a true blessing, but words of condemnation can be truly devastating to those of us, especially to those of us who speak this love language. And then we have physical affection or, or physical touch. And again, this love language is best communicated with, and I'm, I'm using these words uh, intentionally, healthy affectionate touch we need healthy affectionate physical touch from our fellow human beings this, this person communicates love by being close to someone this person is a hugger or likes to just hold hands or maybe you're like my wife and she loves to have foot rubs right those kind of things uh, it's a pat on the back so so th this is just Physical affection, healthy physical touch just sends, uh, it just sends, speaks volumes to the people who speak this love language. And again, like words of affirmation, the, the, the adverse is, is also just as hurtful and devastating, whether it be physical abuse or neglect. That person is going to feel empty if they're not getting this need met in their life. And so let's look at Jesus this morning and let's see how he not only speaks to us the love of quality time, but he also speaks to us the love of words of affirmation and physical affection. Okay, so let's look at John 1, 
And I'm just going to read uh, several verses out of John 1 this morning to, to kind of give, give us a, a launching pad for, for our message. We know that in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the what? The word. What are we talking about? Words of affirmation. Okay? So he is the word. The word was with God and the word was God. We see that. Now, when we get to verse uh, 10 and 11, I'm going to skip down here. So we'll go ahead and go to verses 10 and 11. So he, the word, Jesus, was in the world and the world was made through him. So we're talking about this is the creator. Christ is our creator. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. Now listen to what it says in verse 12. But to all who did receive him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's very important. Very, very, because listen, this is, this is what we're getting to, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. But basically what we're seeing in the work and the life and the person of Jesus Christ is that the word became flesh. He dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Now listen, he was full of grace and what? Truth. This is the beauty of the person of Jesus Christ. He is full of love. He is full of grace and compassion. But we can't forget that he is also the personification of truth. When Jesus opens his mouth, what does he speak? Truth. When we open the scriptures, what do we have? Truth. We have words of affirmation. So the first thing I want to share with you today is that Jesus came with transforming truth, with words of affirmation for the world. And this is, I believe, if you want to boil his message down to one really simple truth, Jesus came to tell the world how sinners can become sons of God. This is so very, very important in our lives. It's all about who we are, our identity in Christ Jesus. He came to tell us the truth, to affirm the truth that sinners, those who are separated, alienated, at enmity with God, how we as sinners can become what? Sons and daughters of the King. What a powerful, powerful concept that Jesus has come to share with us. And so we know Jesus came preaching, right? He came preaching and teaching. He came with great authority. And in the Gospel of Mark, it even says that Jesus told his disciples, hey, I'm ready. We, we have to go to, to Galilee. He says, for I am going to preach to them the good news of the kingdom of God. He said, for that is the reason that I am sent into the world. So Jesus, yes, came and was born to die. Ultimately, we know his, his end goal was to be the sacrificial um, lamb of God for our sins and to be resurrected in power to give us eternal life and forgiveness through his death and his resurrection. We know that's his ultimate end goal. But as he was ministering to us and to the world on this earth, he came to preach. He came to teach. He came to share words of affirmation. And so this is all very much wrapped up into the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He made a way for the hopeless, for lost sinners to receive forgiveness, to be reconciled to God, to have a restored relationship with their heavenly father. And he came to overcome the lies of the enemy. 
What did Jesus say about Satan, about the devil? In John 8, do you know what he said? He said he was a murderer from the beginning, and he is the father of all lies. When he speaks, when the devil speaks, when the evil one speaks in polar opposite to Jesus, when he opens up his mouth, all he speaks is what? Lies, deception, condemnation, all of the things that the enemy tries to do. So Jesus came to overcome the lies and the deception of the enemy, the devil, who is the father of all lies. Now I want to just give you some some words of affirmation today. Does anybody just need to be affirmed today? I think we do. And again, this is just scratching the surface, but I tried to write out a few a few truths that we can be affirmed in, that we need to be affirmed in as Christians. And, and in other words, this is the, this is the caveat. This is the, the, the qualification. We must be in who? In Christ. So the invitation for sinners, what was the, what was the point? That Jesus came to tell how sinners can become sons and daughters of God, Right? Well, what is the, what's the qualification to, become a, to, to go from being a sinner to now being a son? It means we have to believe, we put trust and faith in Jesus, and then he is in us. We are in Christ. That's the qualification. Now listen to all the things that we, as God's children, can be affirmed in, in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. That means that God doesn't see you anymore as the old person that you were. He sees you now through a completely different set of eyes as an entirely different, a new creation. And not only does he see you as a new creation, he sees you for who you can potentially be in him. That's a beautiful thing. We need to be reminded of that. In Christ, you have, present tense, eternal life which means that you have the hope of heaven. That's a possession that we need. We need to be affirmed. When death is all around us, what's our hope? Eternal life. You have eternal life in Jesus Christ. You are forgiven through the cross. All of us deal and wrestle and struggle with guilt, shame. Jesus came so that we could be Forgiven. Ultimately, truly, eternally forgiven. You are no longer condemned. You're no longer under God's judgment in Christ. Any of you battling thoughts of condemnation out there? Happens all the time. You are loved more than you will ever know in Jesus Christ. You know, I think we try... To, to, to wrap our minds and our hearts around the love of God. Unconditional love, perfect love, eternal love, love with no end. That's a truth that we need to be affirmed in. You are loved. If, and all of you parents out there understand this, right? Your kids can drive you crazy. They can give you fits. They can frustrate you to no end. They can even break your heart and leave your house. Do you ever stop loving them? You don't. And that's the way God feels with us. We frustrate him to no end. I'm sure we disappoint him many, many times. But ultimately, he's, he's trying to remind us, wait a minute, that doesn't change the fact that I what? 
I love you, and nothing will ever change that. Now, we might be kind of, our fellowship might be broken for a little while, or, you know, our relationship might be a little rocky for a little while because of what we do, not because of what he does. But ultimately, we ha- what brings us back to God? What brought the prodigal son back to his father? It was love. It was the father's love. Your love more than you ever know. You're delivered from the penalty and the power of sin. That's important. So in other words, God's not holding your sins against you anymore. But we oftentimes still hold our sins against ourselves, don't we? You know what the last time, the last person that we often learn to forgive is ourselves? God says, no, through the, through the power of Christ and in Christ, you're, you're not guilty of the penalty of sin. And you're delivered from the power of sin. And one day, you'll be delivered from the presence of sin. That's in Christ. You're a child of God, as I said before. Uh, I love how Paul talks about how we, we now are able to call God Abba, right? Abba, Father, means Daddy. It's, it's a beautiful picture of, of intimate relationship. The great C.S. Lewis said it this way. I love what he said. He said, the Son of God became a man so that men could become the sons of God. It's a profound truth that we are children of God. You belong to God, okay? So what does it mean that you belong? If you belong to him, no one can snatch you out of his hand. And no one can separate you from his love. You're not alone. This is a message that people in this world today severely need to hear. There are so many people out there that are suffering with isolation and depression, and they're alone, and they feel like they don't have community, they don't have family. That's got to be one of the worst places to be, to feel like that you're all alone. God says, no, you are not alone. I am with you. I will never leave you. You have profound significance in Christ. It means that we all, all of a sudden in Christ, we have purpose to live for. And then here's the last one. I could share many more. You have a home. You have a home in heaven and a permanent place at God's table. What did Jesus say? I've gone to prepare a place for you. In the kingdom, all of his children have a place at the table. So guys, these these are things that I think we need to be affirmed in. And these are things that Jesus came to affirm for us in Christ, for his children. I think one of the most difficult things, uh, I don't know how many of you out there have ever dealt with either foster children or adoption. I've got some friends, I've got many friends who have either fostered or they have adopted. And, and one of the challenges when, again, I'm speaking secondhand, I, I, we have never fostered or adopted But I know one of the greatest challenges for a family that adopts children and brings them into their home is that most of the time, the children who grow up in orphanages or they grow up through the foster system, they learn conditions. They learn how to manipulate the system. They learn how to tell you what you want to hear because they've learned that if you're a good little boy and girl, then you get rewarded for that. But if you're a bad little boy and girl, then you're discarded and you don't have a chance anymore. 
And so they'll do whatever they can to try to put up appearances and try to manipulate and try to get, gain attention. And they, they try to act in good behavior because they're doing that and performing that for their new family or their adopted family because they think that that's how they're going to earn their what? Their love. And one of the hardest obstacles to overcome in adoption is to communicate and truly get through to the heart of that child to say, listen, you don't have to do anything to earn my love. You're part of the family. You belong, and we love you no matter what. Legally, you're our child. Legitimately, you're our child, and we love you as our child. And in, 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 our, in, in the experience of those that I know that have adopted, sometimes, guys, it takes years for those children to finally believe, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to be, I don't have to pretend to be good for you to love me? No. You mean I don't have to manipulate and, and act a certain way for you to love me? No. You mean you just love me? Yeah. And guys, that's honestly, that's how, that's how many of us still are with God today. Many of us are sitting out here and we're living our life and we feel like we're just not what? Good enough. God, I can never be good enough. I just can't be good enough for you, God. And God's like, exactly. You'll never be good enough. That's not what it's all about. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to be what? Good enough. He came to be the perfect son of God to perfectly live a righteous life without sin. None of us will ever be good. That's not what the relationship with the gospel is all about. It's all about I have loved you with an everlasting love. You belong to me and now I just want to have a relationship with you where you do live for me and you do obey me not because you have to but because you want to. That's what this relationship with Christ is all about. And so, guys, what does the Bible tell us as, as we think about how do we continue to affirm truth to overcome the lie? How do we affirm truth in our life to conquer the lie? Well, the scripture gives us many, many, many different practical ways. I'm just going to share just a couple, maybe two with you right here. So in, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, and he says, hey, guys, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength. And then, guess what Moses tell, God, through Moses, tells the children of Israel, this is a practical way to be reminded of who you are in relationship to me. What does he tell them? He says, as you lay down at night, talk about these things, these truths. When you wake up in the morning, tell your children about me. When you're walking along the way, what should you be doing? Talking about the Lord. You should even go as far as writing these words upon your what? doorposts and in your homes and you can wear them, uh, you know, on your head and on your hands and whatever, you know, the, the, the extent. But the, the key to all of this is that these are constant reminders in our life of the promises of God of who we really are in Christ. And, and I just want to encourage you guys, look, your house ought to have scripture all over it. Refrigerator, bathroom mirror, on the wall. On your dashboard of your car, 
you need, we need to be reminded of these truths, of these words of affirmation. Because, guys, if you're like me, and I know many of you out here struggle, is that the enemy, again, the father of lies, he's constantly bombarding us with thoughts and feelings of condemnation and guilt and shame. And we're fighting that mental battle constantly, aren't we? I don't know about you. I am. You're not good enough. God doesn't really love you that much. How could you do that? You're a Christian. You're fake. You're the big H word. Big old hypocrite. You might as well just quit and give up because you'll never be good enough. These are lies that the enemy continues to throw at us and feed us. And the, how do we overcome that? You overcome the lie with the what? With the truth, with the words of affirmation. And I'm going to take it just a step further. Not only should we put the word of God up where we can see it and be reminded of it and read the word and study the word, but the Lord takes it a step further. He says, I want you to take the word and I want you to hide it where? Get it, get it deep, 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 deep in your heart. Treasure it. Guard it. So that when those attacks and those lies do come, and they're going to come, all we have to do is go back to what we know to be true. And that's how we overcome. That's how we fight that battle. So think about it. A disciple gets the truth. The words of affirmation goes from our head into our what? And then eventually it comes out where? Into our hands. Say that again. Disciples of Christ. First it starts words of affirmation. We affirm the truth in our mind. Our head goes into our what? Hide it in your heart. And once it's securely in your heart, it will come out and manifest in your what? In your hands, which leads me to my next love language, physical touch. So, so we see words of affirmation. We see how important the truth is in our relationship with Christ. We see how important it is to affirm who we are and to continue to go back to those promises in the word of God. But the second love language is physical affection. So Jesus came near. I'm, again, I'm using all of these words intentionally. Jesus came near in the flesh, okay? Full of compassion. And he showed love to those who needed it the most. And how did he do this? Through physical affection. Turn to Matthew 8 with me real quick. I just want to share a couple of things with you here. And again, the, the, the Gospels are full of examples. I'm just going to give you a couple. Just to show you, just, just the fact that the Son of God, okay, the creator of the universe, limited himself by taking on human form, which means he was in a body, which means he had hands and feet, he had flesh, he was in human flesh. Guys, there's a reason that he took on flesh. Now we know ultimately, ultimately what was the reason for God becoming a man? He took on flesh, he, had, he took on human form in order to be a what? A sacrifice on the cross, to die. So how does God die? He becomes a what? He becomes a man. It's important. This is central to, who, to do the gospel message that God became man in order to be a sacrifice, to be nailed to a cross, to die for us. And that, that's very Essential, I understand that. But look at the ministry of Jesus. Everywhere you turn, he's touching people. 
He's laying his what? Hands on them. Look at verse uh, verse 1, Matthew chapter 8. He came down from the mountain, and great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now I'll stop right there. Now Jesus had a choice to make right here. He could have healed this man simply by what? Just speaking the word. He, he did that to ten, leopards, to ten lepers earlier in the Gospel of Luke. Ten lepers came, and he did not go up to them and touch them. He just spoke the word, and they were all healed. Y'all know the story, and only one came back. You know the story. This is a different uh, scenario, but the, this leper came to Jesus, and he said, Look, I believe, Lord, you can make me clean, and this is so... You, we miss this in our modern context. And Jesus stretched out his hand and... He touched the man. Guys, do you understand there's so many rules he just broke right there? Number one, in Levitical law, that would have made Jesus unclean. Number two, he's taking the risk of catching what? The disease himself. So if you were a leper in Jesus' day, you basically lived your life in isolation, served a death sentence, and, and were neglected and marginalized by the rest of the society. You were untouchable. Jesus is sending a message. I'm willing to touch this man. What do you think this man wanted more than anything else? I can't, can you imagine the last time he even felt physical touch, human touch? See, Jesus met it, spoke his what? His love language. He healed him. He healed him, yes. But he touched him. Jesus said, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So guys, this kind of this brings us to the understanding of what does it, make, what does it mean for us to be human? Um, I look at our nature. We really have a dual nature, okay? We have a spiritual component. And I think a lot of times we really overemphasize the spiritual needs that we have, and we should. That, that, that's very important. But do you know what we'll also have forever? We're going to have a physical component to our existence. Did you know that? That's what the resurrection is all about. The final aspect of redemption is that God came to save us spiritually. He's trying to um, sanctify us and our soul and our mind and all of those things during this life. But there's coming a day when he has promised to redeem our what? Our bodies. He's going to give us new bodies. And guess what? They're going to be physical bodies because in the kingdom we will be able to touch. We will have healthy affection, hugging in the kingdom. Very much part of who we are as God's children. Did you know that Jesus right now still has a physical body? Did you know that? When Jesus ascended to heaven, did he lose his physicality? He's still a man. He still has a physical body. And he's coming back in physical form to redeem all of creation. And when he does, we get to have what? New bodies like him. That's what John says. When he appears, we will be like him. And that means all of us, both 
spiritually, but also physically. This is what it means to be human. Um, so I'm going to share with you a couple of verses that I think are important because when you read through the New Testament, you're going to see that many of the disciples were fighting against a false teaching called Gnosticism. And I'm not going to go into all the details about what, what Gnosticism was. You, you, should, you should learn more about that because it was a legitimate threat to the gospel. But basically, at the end of the day, let me break it down to you. Gnostics believed that the flesh was evil, the physical world was evil and defiled, and only the spiritual was good. And so they rejected the fact that God could become a what? A man. They rejected that. They said Jesus didn't really become flesh. He was really just a ghost or a spirit. And because they believed this, they believed that the, the body, the flesh was evil, they rejected the cross. And people like John and Peter in the early church, they were fighting against this teaching. Which is why when John writes in the book of 1 John, listen to what he says. He says, this which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and we have what? Touched with our hands. John makes a point in his writing to let people know, hey guys, we what? We touched him. He's a physical being. Because the Gnostics were trying to, share, trying to, to, to spread this false teaching. John goes on to say in 1 John 4, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is, of, is from God. Why does John have to emphasize that? Again, because he's, he's counter, counteracting this false teaching. So let me give you just a, a few brief examples about how important physical affection, healthy physical touch is in the ministry of Jesus. In Matthew 19, he showed positive physical affection upon children. In Matthew 19, 13, he says, The children were brought to him that he might lay his hands upon them and pray. He said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Very important that Jesus sets that example for healthy, affectionate touch of children. Again, he cleansed the leper in Matthew 8. I just read that to you. Later on, he came into Peter's mother-in-law's house, and she was laying in bed sick with a fever, and she, like, she had COVID, right? And so he could have he said, I'm not going in there because I might catch COVID. I might catch a fever. I might get sick. Just like they're trying to keep people out of the hospitals right now, which I think is a crime against humanity. When people are in the hospitals and they're, at their most vulnerable position, and they need people to be what? With them, they're being told you can't be. Hopefully some of that's going away. But I think Jesus has given us this example because she's in bed sick with fever. What if he catches it? You think, does that stop Jesus? He went in there and he touched her. He put his hands on her. He exposed himself. And, of course, she was healed. The blind, poor, dirty beggars, Jesus came in pity. He touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight. In Luke chapter 15, 
I love the picture of the prodigal son as he runs back to his father. Listen to what it says. The, father arose, no, the son arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and the father ran to him and what? Embraced him. It's a picture of what Christ does for us, what he desires for us. And so, guys, this is one of the challenges that I think the church is going to have to be honest about. And it comes with a blessing and a curse, okay? Virtual church. Some of you are watching from home right now virtually. I thank God for that platform. Don't get me wrong, okay? Is virtual church okay for people who are traveling? Maybe they're homesick. Maybe they can't get out of the house. Absolutely. It's another way for us to get this message to the world out there. Is virtual church the way that God intended us to have Christian community? Please come back. I'm speaking to, to you out there. Because no matter how much you think you're getting out of church virtually, it is not the same. It will never be a replacement or a substitute for us to be in each other's presence. For us to have physical touch. That's the Christian community. It's not either or, it's what? It should be both and, okay? And so I thank you for being here present with us physically because you encourage me. I hope that I encourage you. And I hope you get a bunch of hugs before you leave. My mama said you need at least eight a day. So if you ain't got your aid quota, come see me. I'll give you one. So think about it. How does Satan destroy us then? Well, if physical touch and healthy affection is something that we need, and, and some people that just that communicates love to them, then again, the adverse is true. And that's where Satan creeps in to perverted and sick people, and you have physical abuse, sexual abuse, you have physical neglect, whether it be with children, spouses. So somebody that has this love language and they're being abused or neglected, that is just devastating to them. And I see Satan use that so many times because then, especially as young children who are abused or neglected as children, they begin to say, God, why would you let this happen to me? And they begin to get angry at God instead of the person, the violator who did something to them. So you can see, and many of you in the room today probably have had some type of an experience like that. And I, and I pray that God would heal you from that. And that you would learn what healthy, true, affectionate touch is all about. I'm going to say a word to fathers real quick. Fathers, especially with little daughters. If you as a father are not giving your daughter healthy, affectionate touch, she's going to go looking for it somewhere else. And I promise you, it's probably not going to be wholesome or healthy. Fathers, you need to be investing time with your children, and, and bring, especially your daughters, and putting them on your lap and hugging them and loving them and holding them close and letting them know, I love you. That's what they need, healthy, affectionate touch. And finally, guess what we're going through socially? With all this COVID stuff, guys, what we have done socially is that we have created a culture of fear, in isolation. And, and again, I'm not here to make a political statement. I've got enough controversy as it is before. But I will just make this point. That to me, and, and I, I may be wrong about this, but when we wear masks, guys, and I'm not condemning you for wearing masks, but when we do wear masks, to me, it sends a message to what? Stay away. 
you're not safe. And again, I'm just, I'm just speaking from, from my heart. I'm not condemning you for wearing a mask. Please hear me because I'll get, that'll be taken the wrong way. But if you think about it as children, if you grow up in this generation and you're starting to wear a mask and you're told stay away, social distance, keep your distance, do not touch, do not be around each other. We're creating a social condition, a social culture to say that physical touch is what? Dangerous. Do you know that suicide rates among teenagers have gone up 50% in the last year? Do you know that depression and anxiety among our young people are increasingly 25 to 30%? It's an epidemic. Why? They're scared, they're anxious, and they're isolated. And they're told, don't be around your friends. Don't be around your family. Don't be around your loved ones. Hey, guys, we need to be close. We need to be together. We need to be physically in touch with each other. I'm not making a political statement. I'm talking about what are we doing? What kind of message are we sending? And I think it's a dangerous one. And there are many, many more, many more effects to it beyond a virus. Are y'all tracking with me? That's all I'm going to say. But these are real. And I think it's time that we need to start living like humans again. We need to start showing compassion again. We need to start demonstrating healthy physical affection again, especially for those who what? Who need it the most. How are we going to respond? All right, so here's my last point. So we are called, all right, so we've talked about words of affirmation. We've talked about physical affection. These are so important. So we, as God's children, we're called to join him to be heralds of truth. That means we're to be proclaiming God's truth, but we're also to be the what? Hands of Christ in a lost and a hurting world. Heralds of truth. We're to speak the truth in love. But we're also to be his what? Hands and feet. So if Jesus were walking around and he sensed isolation and fear, I think he would go straight into it and he would, he would immediately break down that barrier. And I think God, God's calling us to do the very same thing. So what does it mean to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I'm going to share with you one more passage and then we're going to finish. Turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Now remember, last week I, I told you that Jesus has a love language too. Does anybody remember what it is? It's one word. Obedience. If you love me, you will obey. You will keep my commandments. I do believe Jesus would call us to be this kind of witness in the world. Look at Matthew 25. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all nations and he'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he'll place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left and then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now listen to what he says, for I was hungry 
and you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you what? You visited me. You cared for me. I was in prison. You came to me. And then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? When do we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will say, truly I say, just as you did this to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So that in the very act of us being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in a lost and a dying world and touching them, Hugging them, encouraging them by being near to them, not being scared, not being isolated, not being fearful, not socially distancing. I really believe it's time for us to get past this, guys. I really do. And so as our as I'm gonna ask Dion to come up because we're gonna sing one more song before we before we close. But I'm going to give you your kind of your, your application for the day. Thinking about all of these things, okay? How do we demonstrate God's love language this Christmas? Well, we speak the truth. Now, let me say this. Who's the first person we got to speak truth to? Ourselves. Because we're, we're fighting the battle. We're being discouraged. We have doubt. The enemy's trying to deceive. So we got to remind ourselves, affirm the truth in our own lives first. Then we are able to speak the truth also to other people's lives. That's what the good news is all about. And then we do this by being the hands of Jesus Christ in a hurting world. So those two things go together. Again, it's not either or. We need our walk to match our talk. Isn't that what James said? Somebody comes to you and says, clothe me, I'm naked, I'm hungry. And you say, go on your way and let it be done for you. What have we done? Nothing. You see, that, that's just being a hearer of the word and not a what? Not a doer. That, that's what we're talking about here. And that's how we can obey Christ and him. By speaking these love languages to others. In just a minute, I'm going to let my brother Terry come up and close us in a word of prayer. And because this message, I think, really goes hand in hand with what they do every single week. They go to those who are most in need and they're incarnational. They're present. They're with them. They're giving hugs. They're providing a warm meal. They're providing clothing and they're providing the word of God. I can get behind that. And I hope that you can too. And so guys, I'm going to pray for us. And as I pray, I want you to just really think about how you, this Christmas, can continue to find ways to be obedient by speaking the words of truth, by affirming the truth of the gospel, but also by showing it and demonstrating it in your actions by physical affection and being the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's pray together.
Father, we love you. And we thank you that Jesus came near to us. Help us to be faithful to come near to others. And Lord, rid us of fear as we sang today, Lord. It's your love. We stand in your love and that casts all the fear out of our hearts. Your perfect love casts out fear, God. So help us not to be afraid. Help us to be faithful to be your hands and your feet. And Lord, forgive us of all the ways that we have failed you. But this Christmas, Lord, we want to be a blessing to others in what we say and then also in what we do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand together, guys. We're going to finish in this song.
big. I'm loud enough. Hey, guys, grab, grab a seat for a minute. I'm going to take like 30 more minutes of your time here today. But here's what. The ones who don't know me, I'm Terry Mohammed. Yes, the Lord has called us to partner with a lot of people to go and share the love of Jesus Christ every Sunday and every day, actually. We're in Galloway, we're 